This is the War Room Roundtable podcast, the show that takes you around the world to share interviews with some of the most successful and relevant businessmen and women on the planet, hear their stories, and get the most important business lessons they've learned on the road to success, and get exclusive advice on how to implement their successes into your life and business. The War Room Roundtable is brought to you by your hosts, Jason Miller, CEO of Strategic Advisor Board, and Philip Lanos, CEO of Own the Rhythm, and former podcast host for Entrepreneur and Inc. Magazine. Welcome to the War Room. It is my pleasure to have. I think this is the first time we're doing this, right, Jason? We're having a co-founder show up on a separate episode, and is it? It's exciting because this hasn't happened yet, which is ironic. We should have, but we have today with us Dion Gonzalez. How you doing, man? I'm doing good, guys. Thanks for uh, having me. It's a pleasure to be on. And like you said, Philip, it's a little different. My co-founder Jeff Dorchester and I usually do these together, so. I don't have to listen to him talk. (laughs) I'm sure he says the same thing about me as well. (laughs) Well, I I think there's no more perfect situation than the name that you have for your company, which is I relate. Right. I mean, I I guess I could relate now. (laughs) We've uh, we've had a great back and forth before before we hit record. And I think that goes to just say a lot about your spirit uh, as you are as a person. You know, uh, we were having a lot of fun. And making fun of a situation that was potentially dire in Jason's mind this morning. Like, oh, geez, oh, geez. And so I wonder, I wonder how this relates to the work that you do today. But I, before we get there, I want to ask: Do you come from a family of entrepreneurs? Yeah. No, I don't. My, um, you know, my my dad was a uh, a supervisor in a probation office for about thirty five years. He's eighty two now. He retired pretty early, I think, like fifty five ish, sixty ish, um, and decided to study quantum physics. So he's like my inspiration in terms of anything that's quantum physics or science or anything related. And he always inspires me with new stuff. So he wasn't an entrepreneur, but he always had entrepreneurial discussions. So he and my uncles, we our, our extended family used to get together for um, all everybody's birthdays, right? And during those conversations, my uncles would get together and they would literally do these brainstorming sessions around the dinner table. And it would be things for one of my uncles was a graphic design, designer for Fortune 500 companies. Another one was another probation officer, but they're all very in, intelligent guys but they would always be talking about, we should develop this and we could create this. And what about this type of idea? Right. And it was one of those things where I watched it and observed it as a child and saw them never pursue it. They never did anything with it. Um, And they had their own jobs and their own capacities and they were, they're wonderful guys. They're all still fortunately uh, alive. Uh, But that's where I, I started seeing it as a young child. Like, there's a different way to do things here. Now, I did go to the traditional path. I went to college. I didn't finish. I dropped out to go become an entrepreneur, you know, which is which is cool now. But in my day, that was like, what are you crazy? <laughs> you can't go do this. And uh, I, I said, bullshit, I'm going to go do it. And so I did. Um, and it wasn't easy at first. But and then my mom was a school teacher. Um, you know, she taught elementary and uh, she's still around, too. But she retired, you know, probably only about five years ago, she was still doing substitute teaching, you know, so, but I always had those inspirations around me and looking at this and also looking at 
the entrepreneurs of the world and really kind of delving into some of their stories and understanding where their foundations came from. And yeah, they might be different, but the motivations are typically pretty common, you know, with entrepreneurs and being able to go out there and build something, create something, get it to market and then successfully exit. So that's kind of like where my inspiration, my entrepreneurial inspiration came from. Yeah, no, that's a great answer. I mean, it's it's clear to me that that you take time to think about a lot of things in life, uh, just based off the way you answered. Uh, Maybe too much. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think I think that's what makes uh, that's what makes you who you are, man. Uh, and for me, hearing all that, you being able to have that example of uh, your the elders in your family and the way they operated, and then you doing something that was radical at the time, right? Which was uh, you had it made, you just had to go to college and do the thing. And you'd be, you know, for the most part, you'd be on easy street as somebody so aptly said the other day, uh, you were like, no, because I know where this is going. And so you chose to go against the grain, uh, knowing that everybody was going to look at you differently. I can only imagine what that did for you. It was, that was a little different. I, I mean, I was pretty, I wanted to go, I wanted to be an ophthalmologist. I wanted to be an eye surgeon. Right. So I was at the university of Colorado going through their biology program and that's where I was. And then I was, I was tainted by a, a, an amazing marketing class. It was marketing 2850. And we had <laughs> oh, no. come in and speak to the, the, you know, your classroom of 500 students. Um, and uh, I think it was Ken Mackey. I believe he was the CEO of Dayton Hudson at the time on target. And he got up there and he said something that still resonated with me. It still resonates with me today. It certainly hit me, hit struck a chord then. And he just got up and he said 45 years and everybody was quiet. And he, re- he repeated that two more times. And finally, at the end, it's dead silent in a room of students, college students, rowdy college students, dead silent. You can hear a pin drop. And he just said, if you decide to graduate college and you go into your career, you're going to be locked into that for 45 years. You better be damn sure you know what you're doing right now. And if you're not, you're young enough that you need to start thinking about that. So I did. And I took his advice <laughs> wholeheartedly. And when I told my parents, they were real supportive, actually. Really? And yeah, they said, that's fine. You know, you can always go back to school. And what do you want to do? And my grand ambition at that point was to uh, open a baseball card store because I was going to conquer the, the world there. No, I didn't. <laughs> I failed in nine months. I, I raised $5,000, opened it up, and it was a, and thought, this is awful. <laughs> it was, <laughs> you know, it was a hard lesson to learn, um, but a really valuable lesson to learn as well. So yeah, I, I completely went against the grain uh, at an early age there. Oh man, I love so many things about your story. Uh, I, I want to hand it over to Jason to chime in and, and give his reflections on what you shared before I go any further. Yeah, I, I think it's, uh, it, that that's an interesting thing that he said, because <clears throat> some people make it halfway through that, right? So he said 45 years, make sure you understand that. Well, what typically happens is people make it halfway through that, have a midlife crisis, go buy a Corvette, <laughs> end up marrying a younger wife. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and, then, and then they can't figure it out. And then they're just stuck in this debacle of, you know, what is life and what is it next for me? Right. Well, maybe I should start a business. It's never too late, but you know, there's a lot of key things you got to learn when you're a little bit younger, when it comes to the business things, 
because you can't take those hits when you're older. It's like the stock market, right? The best time to invest is when you're 18 years old. And when you're 25, if you lose it all, you have time. Absolutely. Lots of time, right? (laughs) You got lots of time to recover from that. Business is no different than the stock market, kind of. It's it's a little different, but I mean, the, the concept of, you know, I'm now going to start to learn and invest into a business at 45 years old. I'm not saying it's not possible. Of course, anything's possible. A lot of people do it, but if you had started back here, you'd have went through all those lessons and not had to get them arrows in the back at 45 when you're bullheaded and don't want to listen to anybody because you know it all. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I see a lot of like, I think there's an interesting distinction there too, guys, because I think you have your, early stage, early age entrepreneurs, the guys that Mm -hmm. go in there, learn it and girls go in there, learn it, fail fast, adjust, pivot, use whatever term you want. Right. But they're getting, they're in the school of hard knocks and being an entrepreneur, as you guys all know, it's not a linear trajectory that just goes straight up like this. (laughs) You know, if you're successful, it does this right? It's peaks and valleys, but the trajectory is continually, hopefully moving up. If it's not, then you need to consider something else. But I think you get those school of hard knocks at a younger age. If you're 45, I I see a big difference. I don't know many 45-year-old entrepreneurs that are developing a, a concept from scratch, from a product idea, taking it out to market, validating that it works, setting their pricing strategy, doing all the appropriate things that you need to do. What I typically see is the, the term entrepreneur or business owner is somebody like later stage, they open a franchise, they buy into some type of franchise that already has the playbook there for them. They're still business owners, they're still experiencing all the peaks and valleys, but they didn't, they got into a system that's already there. I see that with later, you know, older aged um, entrepreneurs. And if I had to do it all over again, I'm 52 now, if I was going to do something, I probably would look at that a little bit more seriously. I'm a very creative person. So I have a hard time saying I'm never going to try to create something again. I don't think I'll ever be at that stage. Right. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, is there a certain level of security buying into uh, an established concept where you're then the owner uh, where you can maximize the growth? Sure. Um, I also think from, from a perspective like mine, it limits me in a certain perspective because I am stuck by, the, the rigor of the playbook, right? I want to be able to create and build things too. So I think there's a distinction there between those two entrepreneurial groups. Huh. Great, great point. Yeah, man. No, that was solid. It makes me think there's also like, because you already know what it takes and whether or not someone took the time to build that out properly uh, with the experience that you now have at this stage in the game, anyone in that stage of the game, you almost don't even need to go through those uh, initial product launch, you know, testing fields and and being able to get the value prop right and how it fits into a business model, whether or not the address total addressable market is like really yep. in, in like you don't even need to do that because all you have to do is have one hour conversation. This is the hard. This is what hard one experience gets you, right? With a one, not even with a fifteen minute conversation, you can go, hey, this is something I know Absolutely. with what I know. I can make something happen. And that, and it's weird because it'll take all those years, but by the time, and and you'll look dumb, people will doubt you, be like, well, look at this guy. But when an entrepreneur finally gets it, 
it's like everybody's like, oh, they're unstoppable. How do they do it? It's like, well, yeah. <laughs> it, it's kind of funny. And, and honestly, like a good segue to I relate and how we got started there because, you know, it's this anonymous mental health peer empowerment mental health platform, right? Where people connect with one another anonymously to talk about anything with others that have lived similar life experiences. It's really the power of community. Um, had I created anything like that? Had Jeff created anything like that previously? No. I built marketing automation software and I've had three exits, you know, built three companies, sold those off. Um, and so I'm familiar with that. So uh, when Jeff presented me with this idea uh, around this platform, number one is completely different than anything we've ever done, right? I'm not a clinician. I'm not a mental health professional, nor is Jeff. I don't purport to be. And those people are very well qualified and they serve an invaluable service or provide an invaluable service to the people out there in the world that um, can utilize that. Uh, but what, to your point, Philip, what I was able to see is the market opportunity that, you know, like uh, there is a gap between when somebody is struggling with something internally and say, man, I just wish I had somebody to talk to about this. And that's not an easy thing, right? And you don't. So you start, you internalize that to get from there to actually calling a clinician or a therapist or Maybe the new 988 line. I I'm, I'm love that that's out there. But there's a tremendous, there's a chasm there for people to get to that place mentally to be okay to take the next step to call a clinician. So what we try to fill the gap is all that space in between. Go talk to people. Go relate with others that have been there, done that. Now, are they clinicians? No. Are some of them? Sure. But you're there just to have that sense of community with people that you can trust. Right. And I don't think I ever would have gotten there without the experiences that both Jeff and I were going through at the time um, together, but separately. And what I mean by that is, you know, we kicked this off four and a half years ago, late 2017. Prior to that, uh, Jeff and I were at a company that we co founded that acquired our last company in 2015. And he had heart challenges, heart, you know, health issues, which I'm sure he shared, but essentially, he was in AFib for, I think it was like 84 hours. He was like 42 at the time, so not really old. Uh, he thought he was going to die in every step. And I could see this physically every single day. We worked 10 feet away from each other. He and I have been working together since 2010, right, in different capacities. Um, so we have a very tight bond, great amount of trust, and we work very well together. But I could see it on a physical basis. Mentally, I had no idea what was going on with his head. And he wasn't talking about it to me, right? Just wasn't wasn't mentioning it. Um, and then on the same side of it, that he was dealing with that while that was happening, we have had a suicide scare in our house. We have four kids and it sent us in a complete spiral, right? Uh, as a family, we had no idea how to deal with it. I certainly didn't. We did try going the traditional route with uh, counseling and those kind of things. We felt, found it to be very, um, it, it was, it was more like this closed kind of conversation where, the barriers were immediately up, right? It was like, how do I manipulate this conversation? I was watching this happen in, in the counseling situation. It was like, well, I'd like to get to know you and those kind of things. Well, we're already way past that mentally. Like we need to have some knowledge here, how to address this, right? Um, and that didn't really work for us. So, um, and, and, you know, we're, we're a family, we're Try to have dinner together every night. I coach my kids and all their sports and all these types of things. So it was a, it sent us into a complete spiral. Um, and while Jeff wasn't talking about 
the depression that he was had fallen under because of the meds that he was taking, I wasn't talking about what was happening in our house at all, right? So we knew we didn't want to be part of the payments and marketing automation industry anymore. And we were figuring out what are we going to go build next? And we were thinking data analytics plays and algorithms and all these, because we're tech guys, right? And so thinking of all of that, and then Jeff courageously, and, and I say courageously, I don't want to minimize that because I think this is something that's so critically important for where we're at as a country and as a world in a, in a global capacity is to have the courage to step out there and be vulnerable. And he called me one night and said, hey, I think I have an idea for our next concept, our next business. I couldn't talk that night because I was dealing with a family crisis, right? So I said, I'll call you back. And he said, yeah, do. So I called him back. And he shared a story about, we're in this car group on Facebook called Alpha Euros. He shared a story about a guy that he essentially talked off the ledge, uh, literally. Um, the guy was about to shoot himself in the head. Um, and th that backstory, this guy had actually shot himself in the head a year prior by calling the suicide prevention hotline and getting what he called a young scripted punk on the other end of the phone. So he had already, you know, taken as attempted to die by suicide one time. Jeff caught him when he was spiraling, um, sending out messages on Facebook, like, see you later world, I'm out of here. Complete stranger, but here's where the power of community really comes in. We were part of a community on Facebook. Now, I'm not a big fan of Facebook because they weaponize your data, but that's a different Oprah show, different topic, right? But... <clears throat> It had the community of car guys and gals that had this like been there, done that. They could relate to each other, right? No pun intended. So they had that connection. So when he talked him off the ledge and brought him back down, the guy said, great, I'm, I'm good. Uh, Jeff asked him, you know, if you had an anonymous app to go talk, anonymous place, to talk to your community, to people that have had similar life experiences, would that have helped? And he said, absolutely. When I went to, to my uh, uh my, my child and said, Hey, you know, I know you were struggling with some things and I know you're on social media. Would this type of app have helped you? And the answer was absolutely. I'm not posting any of my struggles on snap or Instagram or anything else. I'm not, I don't, I don't put this out there. Right. Because I don't want to be vulnerable. And yeah, I'm struggling with some things inside. Now, everybody's doing great now. So that's, you know, knock on wood, but it was that kind of thing that when Jeff admitted that he was living with depression, first thing, I, my reaction was like, wow, that's amazing. That's, I had no idea, number one. But secondly, it was like, why didn't you tell me? I'm your friend. I'm your business partner. Or, you know, I'm like, we're, we're brothers in arms here. Like we've gone, we've gone to battle together on, on things. Right. So you can tell me anything. And it was very, the, the typical answer you would expect. It's not easy to talk about. Guys don't talk about this kind of stuff. We internalize it. Uh, I, you know, there's only so much emotional capital you have with people. If you tell your best friend or your business partner or your spouse or whoever you're having a crappy day every single day and you're depressed every single day, eventually they go, they become deaf to it, right? Which then loses its efficacy and it's not what you want to do. So he was worried about all those things. And so, of course, I'm thinking, no, I'm not, not going to judge you. And of course, you can tell me that every day. But then he flipped it on me. He just said, and this is where the light bulb moment really popped into my head, right? He just said, hey, I think you might be struggling with some things too. And I said, yeah. And he goes, have you told me everything? And I said, no. And he said, well, why not? And I was exact. You could rewind what he said to me and play it back because those were all the reasons I didn't say anything to him, right? I'm like, boom, light bulb moment. 
let's go build this. And I know how we can get it out to market quickly. Um, and so did Jeff. And so that's what we did. So we built our MVP. We got it out to market quickly. We, while we're building our MVP from a development standpoint, minimum viable product for those that aren't in the product world. Um, <clears throat> but it's just your product to get out there to test the market and see what you need to learn and improve it. Or if it's going to be an utter failure. It wasn't and hasn't been. We've had amazing penetration and success and partnerships with Microsoft and the University of Colorado and Chutes National Mental Health Innovation Center and a number of other organizations uh, because we found this. there's this gap. But it's really all about the power of community and being able to talk to people um, that have been there, done that, but also being vulnerable enough to say, here's my crap and here's where I'm at because everybody goes through this. Mental health has no borders doesn't care about your socioeconomic status, um, any of that. So we're trying to democratize the conversations for everybody to be comfortable out there sharing their stories. So that's that, that combines kind of the entrepreneurial piece, how we got it there and saw the opportunity. But it took life experience, again, more life experience of, of really getting kind of punched in the face by life a little bit to say, I am, I am vulnerable now. And how do I capitalize on this in a positive way and make a, an impact from as many other people out there as we possibly can? You know, it's the old cliche, make the world a better place, but that's literally what we're trying to do right now. I, I, I find this interesting because, you know, how we were raised by our fathers, right. Was, you know, hold it in, you know, you gotta be hard. Oh yeah, you know, that that mentality of of that steadfast man. Put dirt on it, yeah. And yeah. You know, rub rub some dirt on it, and <laughs> you'll be all right, right? Right. So, what bad advice is that, right? Just yeah, it's awful. It really is. Yeah, let's let's infect your cut with oh, who knows right. what's going right? Because right? it's it's funny because you know I don't culture that with my son at all. He's six, right? Yeah, but. For some reason, it's got to be in our DNA because if mom is there, he'll scream his head off, right? Sure. But he falls and gets hurt and he gets up and he's like, <laughs> yep. Good dad. it's okay, boy, you can cry. Okay. <laughs> but yeah. he needs he needs permission to do it. Why? Sure. Why? Why do we need that permission yeah. from our fathers? You know, it's weird. Yeah, there is some scripting there, I think. Yeah. You know? I mean, he's six, right? If he was in Sparta yeah. at seven, he's going to <laughs> right. become a, yeah. be going to fight a wolf. That's, that's right. Yeah, exactly. You know, in the cold weather, naked, and you're gonna. Yeah, have to yeah. <laughs> that was good, man. That was good. Oh man, it's everything that you said was all powerful and honest, it, and it's it's one of those things where it almost the idea itself needed to be manifested through people who understood technology, understood the time, understood uh, the the culture that we're all living in and that had had all like, it's all the chips just laid out to be able to create this thing. You know, I, I get it, man. I mean, I come from 18 siblings, right? One of 18 siblings, the oldest male, nothing but like, like, drug related problems and, and, and alcoholism and you name it, right? Like, and, and, all of that. So believe me when I say that, like the number of people who are impacted by just not having uh, someone to speak to. And, and worst of all is you could be their family and tell them, hey, you can tell me anything whenever you want. And they will never come to you with things because 
because I myself don't go to them with problems, right? It's risky, right? It's risky. It's risky. Yeah. It really is. It yeah. is, man. And to hear to hear that there's a platform, it makes sense because it's almost like the person who walks up to you when you're at a bus stop, figuratively speaking, uh, by yourself, and they're like, "Hey, what's wrong?" You know, and then you have this whole conversation with a stranger because you know you'll never have to see them again. That's so exactly that, it. And yeah. so it's what we decided too with that is like, you know, again the anti Facebook thing. We don't sell data. We don't use trackers in the app to then surface ads to you later or anything like that. No, we want this to be a place where people go in, they're open and honest. And like you just said, Philip, it's like you're virtually meeting somebody at the bus stop and you guys are talking and you can spill everything good, bad, or indifferent because you're never going to see that person again. Right. Yeah. But man, that's cathartic when you do that. And then another thing that we noticed is when you help somebody, and they feel good and they come back and they're like, thank you. That helped me. You helped yourself as well. Right. So it just raises everybody up when, when you're having that, that dialogue. So take out the identity part of it and your preconceived or your well-achieved labels, your career titles, whoever you are, and just be human and connect with one another and have those conversations, throw the rest of the stuff out the window and at that visceral level, have that conversation with somebody and it'll change your life as well as theirs. Right? Oh, yeah. So, Man, my question to you is, what are you working on next? Like, what do you want the listener to know about what you're doing now? What initiative you're trying to pursue? Yeah, well, I mean, we, we're certainly trying to expand on this. We, you know, we have a, a, a nice footprint across different verticals. We work with a lot of first responders, military vets, uh, doctors, nurses. Um, we work with a, a, a tremendous number of uh, professional athletes, both uh, active and retired. So really what we're trying to do is expand that. There's a lot of different uh, segments out there that need this community piece. Schools, um, they need something, right? I mean, how many mass shootings? We're, we're becoming deaf to it and the atrocities just continue. There needs to be something. And I'm not saying this cures that, but I'm saying that this is one of the tools to help combat it, right? And stop that. Um, employers, absenteeism, the, the things that are happening within the workforce right now, uh, people are burned out. And when they're not burned out, they're there. Um, and it's hard for businesses to sustain that they need a safe place to go talk with other people and exchange those ideas. So we're expanding different uh, to different verticals. But beyond that, we really are moving towards engagement and this experience for our users as well. So taking it from just this conversation, which is incredibly important and very meaningful, but then layering in the experience. So part of what we're doing with that um, is very shortly, we're going to have short form video uh, coming out. So think of uh, I almost hate to say it, but TikTok, but for uh, adults in an anonymous way, yeah. right? One of the really cool pieces of technology that we have there is we're looking at emotion tracking based on facial recognition. So if somebody's having a bad day and they're making a video about it, we can then connect them with their community to share that and talk about amongst that. Alternatively, if you're having a great day and you come in and you're smiling and everything, we want you to spread the love and tell that story as well through the video, right? Um, I don't anticipate it. it's going to be like the everybody doing their little dance moves on that. It's not intended to be, you know, but it's intended to be that short form video where people can express themselves, curate their own uh, creativity and their own personality there and connect with others. Because again, this, you may feel alone with whatever it is you're dealing with, 
I guarantee you there is somebody out there that has dealt with something similar. Maybe not specifically what you're dealing with, but something very similar that can help you guide on the path. Um, and you might be able to help them. They might be able to help you as well. So we've got video coming out uh, very shortly. The other thing we're doing, again, as part of the whole experience, is we're looking um, into the wearable market um, and essentially looking at you know, data that your Apple Watch or your Fitbit or your Peloton heart sensor, all of these things, the different data points that feed up, well, how do those relate to mental wellness as a whole, right? And there are certain triggers, triggers like heart rate variability, the amount of sleep you're getting, your activity levels. All of those things contribute to um, have indicators around you're feeling pretty good or you're feeling pretty low. Right. So great. Now we have the, the wearable data. We have the video. We have the chat piece building those all together to have a really good view of what a person to then help them and recommend different ways for them to connect with their community or different communities. That's where we're going. So we're looking at like making the experience more rich and more broad by use of those different data points, the wearables, the, the video and of course the chat uh, to really drive home. How do we make this a better place for you to be? as an individual, because then you can make it better for somebody else. So those are things we're working on right now. All amazing things, man. Just we're excited. We're excited. Yeah. yeah. No, I, it's like when I saw the movie, um, it's, it's not well-known, but it's, it's called 50, 50. It had Seth Rogen and uh, Joseph Gordon Levitt. And uh, the character finds out like he has like terminal cancer and then, oh. Yeah. Seth, yeah, Seth Rogen's character is like usually the kind of guy who isn't taken serious by people. He's kind of right. like, but he's his best friend and they start having arguments. But what he doesn't see is like what, what they show, like a shot of Seth Rogen, like exiting the bathroom. And it's like a place where he was hiding the book on like how to how to talk to your friends who may have like cancer, terminal cancer right. or something. Right. Like and just seeing like the effort of that friend. Right. Like little clips like that being sure. thrown throughout the the uh the social feed you will of i relate i can see how somebody like just showing the value of friendship the value of family right like what it, just all those all those anchors that people need to keep them from making decisions that may they may regret and not live to regret you oh, know 100%. so i i think it's really powerful stuff what you're doing man yeah uh, there's nothing like storytelling and when the when the right moment hits it can it can change the direction of a conversation, which is why I really is so powerful, right? Is people yep. will share their story and they go, man, I'm, I'm not so alone. You know, yep. I, I, I'm not the only one that feels this way. So I'm excited about that. Uh, I want to reiterate people can go where specifically is it? I relate dot like org. Yeah, I relate dot org. Just like you see here. Okay. I R E L eight number eight. Yep. I relate dot org. Um, and you can check it out. And uh, we have several other apps, but you'll be able to ac access those for specific communities. And like I said, we're still growing into lots of other communities. It's interesting how when we first kicked this off, guys, we thought it was just, I relate, and that's going to be the platform and we'll build upon that. But what we started seeing is these co the different communities want the technology. They want the anonymity. They want the data privacy pieces behind it to connect with their communities specifically like first responders, like special forces foundation who works with green berets and they were our first partner and they're still our, one of our partners. They all want this tribal slash community piece 
to have their own section in it. So yeah, so take a look at it there at irelate.org. You can see the other family of apps that we have and we're continually growing. So if there's a population that uh, you as a listener are looking to say, hey, they could really use this, reach out to us, you know, info at irelate.org. We're always open to to feedback and those types of things. Yeah, I mean, I can see how that would fit for like orphans, right? Or people totally. who grew up in foster homes, things of that nature, for sure. Yeah, we're starting to also do some work with um, the incarcerated population, right? Mm-hmm. Because uh, when they're transitioning, they need a safe place to have conversations, uh, also find resources. It's incredibly difficult for somebody to re-enter and, um, you know, and not re-offend by virtue of the barriers that are put in place by the system, number one. Um, and those barriers create tremendous hardships in anybody trying to change their lives, right? So having those resources so that we can help reduce the recidivism rates and things of that nature is incredibly important. But that's just another example of a population we never thought of when we first created this four and a half years ago that could benefit from a platform where they can go in and talk with others that have been there, done that, right? Um, and that's that's just another example. So we're always looking to to bridge the gap and help those other communities that we don't even know about yet. Jason, I, mean, I know you've got something to say on all of this, man. I, I, I've said a lot and all when I come back, I want to take it and close this out uh, for the final questions, but I, I want to hear your thoughts on all this. Yeah. You know, obviously I'm very attached to the veteran community and you know, uh, the last stat I looked at, it's 25 or 26 veterans a day take their lives. And it's a pretty staggering number. And over the years, I mean, I've been retired now from the military for quite a while, but there's the Memorial Days, the Veterans Days, the those days are extremely difficult more yeah. for others than some, right? Sure. But I... I have to make my round of calls every Memorial Day, you know, spouses of soldiers I lost, so on and so forth. And those are really difficult days to, to have those. And I just think of something like this to where, you know, I could easily just connect that together, right? Yeah. And, and be able to provide that plugin to people like that, a uh, military spouse that, you know, well, well props to you that you're doing that though, Jason, so, like that, that's, that's huge. Right. And that's that connection. Yeah. Piece. Yeah, yeah. And you're right about the, the suicide piece. I learned another uh, piece of data, I guess about a month ago, uh, maybe six weeks ago, as I was looking at uh, veterans going through the VA and uh, another staggering, I found it staggering. I think everybody else will as well is that a staggering statistic is that for the veterans that were struggling that did go to the VA, 40% of them still died by suicide. Yeah. So you're talking, you know, out of 10 guys, four of those guys or girls, four of them still decided that it was time, right? They just couldn't live. That's, that's a tremendous opportunity for us to be able to make an impact and help those individuals because clearly there's a gap in the care that that's being received at that point. Um, and I firmly believe human connection minimizes that number, right? If you're really connected to somebody and you know, somebody is there for you and you can be there for them and you can, you know, 
fall on that shoulder and, and depend on that shoulder, you know, you're, I think those rates go down, right? So that community piece is so critical. Uh, but yeah, when 40% that are receiving care does still do that, that, that should be a, a, a massive red flag with, you know, lights and sirens to all of us, right? There needs yeah. to be on there. For sure. That breaks my heart, man. Yeah, sorry. Like, what? What a song. No, no. It, it, it just it reminds me of another another conversation we had on this show, where someone I I can't, I feel bad that I can't remember who it was, but I I know it was recently in this week uh, that that just passed, and they said that they had spoken to someone who who literally proclaimed, if just one person talks to me on my way to go uh, commit suicide, I won't do it. Right. If just one person talks to one. me, all it takes is one, just one. And I thought to myself, wow, just now, as you're, as you're saying all this, imagine being able to create a hat, a hat that people can wear that symbolizes, you can talk to me if that's what you're thinking about. Yeah. Right. It's got the symbol or the color that people can recognize from a mile away. Yeah. You can just and be called just one. And have just the, one, the just one. Like, exactly. I'll be the one. I'll be the one. Yeah. You be the one. Yes. And and there's another concept right there. So that people know, like, (laughs) I mean, I've, man, just. Yeah, I love that. Love that. I just like, as I'm hearing all this, I'm like, there's got to be another way. Because some people won't even, won't even look at a technology or anything. Because there are two, there, it's like blinders just this super zoomed in view um, of, of like like a macro lens right of just where i am right now and they can't see the forest for the trees right yep. but if you get something that pops in color that they can spot a mile away similar to the first responder situation like a bright yellow bright orange something i don't know what yeah i'm not a fashion person but you get something that pops and you have that symbol and they know this is a, and then just think of culturally what kind of movement that would like create, man. I mean, just, this is all inspired just based off the things that we're talking about because. Yeah. I love that idea. You could be the one, everybody can be the one, right. To be that person just to say, Hey, you're, you're all right. First and time. the campaigns, the social campaigns one, right. What does that mean? You know, yeah. like I, I was talking to, Oh man, I didn't intend for this to go the way it's going, but it's such <laughs> an important uh, subject. I was talking to one of my mentors about, um, this uh he he said that he finally understood tattoos and young people because uh he said that if he ever got a tattoo it'd be this there was this one similar for uh uh this kid named johnny crowder that he interviewed i know johnny uh, yeah 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 he interviewed johnny crowder and he's got these tattoos with the lines right and yeah. uh anytime that he looks down at his arm because he's looking down he realizes that he needs to think of 10 positive thoughts to like actually get back to where he wants to be. Right. And then I, that made me think I was talking to him. We have these podcasts that are never recorded just between him and I, it's just conversations. And I was like, cow, it's like the Coda tattoo that people are. Uh, yeah. They get where it's like, Oh, it's the the semicolon, right? Like life goes on just like a sentence. That's right. right. And he's like, Oh man, I finally understand tattoos. And I was like, yes. Uh, but see, you can have the semicolon and that's like telling people, yeah, we believe life should go on. Or you can have an actionable response, which is the 10 lines to get you to do something about it. Kind of like uh, breast cancer awareness, just having awareness isn't good enough, right? We need to be able to do actionable things. Oh, I'm so, so glad you said that. That's so, I, I, 
I'm so tired. I'm I'm so tired of awareness being the determinant of, of action, right? It's mental health awareness day or week. Great. I'm aware of it. <laughs> what, what did I just solve? You solved nothing, right? Yeah. You solved nothing. And I love what Johnny's doing with Cope Notes, you know, the, with the, yes. the positive yes. affirmation essentially every single day. And you know, part of it, I think Johnny's uh, appeal there too is, not only does he have the 10 and so that's meaningful there, but he was a hardcore rock star too. Yeah. Yeah. Right? You know, so yeah I interviewed him myself. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he does a great job. Now, Johnny's great people, but yeah, it, uh, that's a, a great, anything that's a visual cue like that, I think is so important. Yeah. Um, to get Which is out. how we got here. Right. I'm thinking about all that. It's stored away in my brain. And then we're having this conversation and I'm like, we need action. We need like, we need action, right? You're doing this. This is great. And then what about the people who don't even know that? Right. I'm like, how, how do we get people who just don't even know that? Right. And then I was like, uh, a hat, you know, like uh, that, oh you can't miss it anyway. Yeah. You can't miss it. Imagine one of these bright yellow or something in the one and people go, there's somebody. And I'm like, Hey, you like, I, I, I you're wearing the hat, you know? Yep. Man, just think of what that could do. And again, this is all inspired just based off multiple conversations. But in, oh, in the interest of time, man, if if you if you could go back to knowing what you know now, if you could go back to yourself, because entrepreneurs are also people who live with quiet desperation at times, right? If you could go back to you before you and 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 had a, actually opened up about what was happening at home as well and admitting well for all the same reasons knowing what you know now what would you have said to yourself then knowing what you know now get out of your own way get get rid of your pride and whatever your outside persona is you know i think you lose your authentic self that way but i think we live our lives that way to a very large extent because of the external pressures that are there from a societal standpoint but that creates barriers and are limiting beliefs and limiting barriers within yourself. Get out of your own way. And that's a really easy thing to say that runs deep because there are so many thought patterns or scripts that you have internally that drive you to where you are. You know, your thoughts are things, they create actions, they create beliefs. Those beliefs reinforce themselves. You, you know, not to get too heady, but do manifest those types of things. If you are open and you're vulnerable and understand where your areas of growth are by getting out of your own way and saying, I don't know everything. I'm here are the things that I don't know. And it's funny because the more that I admitted that I didn't know, the more I learned and the more I learned, I didn't know more about those <laughs> things, right? Because you start learning more and more and more. And I love to learn. I'm a lifelong learner. I always will be until, you know, I cross over to the other side or whatever your beliefs are, but get out of your own way. Get, you don't need that false sense of pride or that outward persona. Be vulnerable with yourself and others. That creates trust, that creates opportunity, and it creates relationships, builds community. So that, that's what I that was what I would tell myself 20 years ago or even 30 years ago. Right. Wow. Wow. Yeah, man. Before I go into the grand finale question, uh, I want to check in with Jason. Let's do the grand finale. Uh oh. For a thousand, ten thousand million bajillion points. There if you go. <laughs> if you could have invited anybody today to this conversation to sit here and listen to everything we just covered, maybe even contribute, who would you have loved to have had here and why? 
Dead or alive? Yeah, dead or alive. Oh, that's interesting. That's that's a good one. Um, it sounds weird. I, I think I have like two. One, if he's alive today, I think Joe Rogan would be fascinating, just because. He's so, <laughs> so I, I I also teach MMA and stuff on Mondays and Fridays. So I love his crossover from the way that he's physical out there. Obviously, very very. Uh, funny guy in terms of his comedy, but his breadth of knowledge is so wide ranging and his guests that he brings on, it's always inspiring and educational. Right. But from a, like, like a real somebody historically, I think Nikola Tesla would be fascinating. Oh, yeah. mm. um, understanding his motivation and his thought processes and also understanding what it was and how he tapped in to things like the Tesla coil and understanding that you could provide free electricity to everybody. Of course, free electricity does not uh, create an industry necessarily, right? <laughs> the way that it needed to be supported. Shut it uh, down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? But I think he would be fascinating from a couple of perspectives, not obviously from a visionary standpoint and understanding, you know, seeing what he wants to do from a, a creative standpoint, but also more I think I would be more interested in the thought process that helps him get there to understand what is your mechanism, your flow that you are looking at these things. You find a problem, you solve it. That's fundamental entrepreneurial 101, right? Fix a problem, find a problem, fix it. Um, but what is your path to get you there where you create groundbreaking technologies that were largely suppressed, right? But how did you get there? Right. What was your makeup? Um, and then also understanding that he probably was a very tortured soul because mm. of this constant give and take and pull and peaks and valleys that entrepreneurs live with. Right. It's not an easy path. It's really not. You know, uh, we glorify the entrepreneurs that do well. I guarantee you there are times with every entrepreneur where they're sitting there at night awake going, what the hell is going on? <laughs> I don't care how well your plan is laid out. I don't care how well your people process tools are in place and you're executing you. There are invariably times if you're not uncomfortable at certain times as an entrepreneur, you're not creating, you're not growing. Right. So I think Nikola Tesla would be fascinating to talk to. Yeah, man. I, I couldn't disagree with any of that. It's, it's true. All those would be interesting. First of all, having Joe Rogan on would be, Sick. Yeah, right? Yeah, right? Like, no, come on. We interview everybody else. Let us interview you. Yeah. And yeah. And you, you can smoke as much weed as you want. Dude. <laughs> Here, here's a hat we invented, by the way. That's we right. Put <laughs> some inspiration on the hat. Oh, man. Uh, and then, yeah, Nikolai Tesla, of course, man. Uh, I, I have a lot of respect for the kind of conversation we had today. I feel like there was a great yeah, energy awesome. and the way it came together. And, uh, I know that people can see the value and the and feel the, the impact that this is going to have or what you're doing and the things you're going to be adding to the platform and how that's all there. So uh, I'm grateful that you stopped by today. Those are, those are my thoughts. And I want to turn it over to Jason to close us out. Yeah. I mean, just, just keep on doing great work, man. That's, that's the thing, right? I mean, Brian. we, we, we have to be taking steps to, you know, forward mankind and, and, you know, it's a kind of a dark world we live in right now. You I think it's hope, right? I, 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 I think it's coming out of that, but but I think 
people just still need some help. I was just for an example, I was at Home Depot a couple days ago and I forgot one of my bags and I went up and this guy was wearing a mask. And I mean, he about freaked out on me. Distance, distance, distance. Oh my God. I mean, I thought his head was going to blow up. Right. I thought it was going to explode. Right. And it's like, how did we get here? Right. And it's like, how did this happen? Well, it did. And a lot of steps there. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of steps to make that happen. And the key is, is there's some place for people to go. And thanks for creating that. Thanks for taking the time to be here. Thank you guys. Uh, honestly, no, this, We, this we appreciate it greatly. Yeah. yeah. Great conversation to have. Thanks for having me. Much appreciated. Yeah, man. No, awesome. it was a pleasure. We'll sign off there. <laughs> yeah. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the War Room Roundtable with your hosts, Jason Miller and Philip Lanos. Please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com to get the latest and greatest business advisement on the planet. Follow us on social media for updates. And always remember, if you can dream it and believe it, then you can go achieve it. We'll see you in the next episode.